0: Cinema Jaw is brought to you by the Laganitas Brewing Company. The Laganitas Brewing Company's Chicago Tap Room and Beer Sanctuary come for fresh beer, live music, and killer food Wednesdays through Sundays, noon to 9 p.m. Bring your group and hop on a brewery tour seven days a week. Swing by the Laganitas Tap Room in Pilsen or find some near you at Laganitas.com. Life is uncertain. Don't sip. And we thank them for their support. Listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever. Recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is
1: Ride the Movie Guy. And sitting behind the glass inside the fish tank is none other than Film Me and Phil. How's it going, guys? This week on Cinema Jaw Matt, we take a step aside and we just watch this top five unfold. Mm, like we witness it? Yes. Mm. We are covering our top five favorite witness movies. This is an interesting topic. Movies in which a character witnesses a crime of some sort. Doesn't have to be a crime, does it? Nope. Okay. But usually some type of thing.
0: Thing. Happening. A plot. Right, because this happens a in a movie. movie right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. We're doing this topic because we have a couple of great guests who are going to be joining us that have a film that deals with such.
0: We do indeed. Claire Cooney and Shane Simmons, two alliterative names in film. We will get to all their credits shortly.
1: I know. They have a, a short film out called Runner in which, you know, if somebody out jogging actually witnesses a crime we're going to talk to. Claire. I think I honestly think we
0: should do a spoiler lounge <laughs> on Runner because it, We'll get to it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to Claire and Shane on on the film and where where the jawheads can Check it out. Besides that, we have more going on, do we not, Phil?
2: Oh, you know it, Ry. We're also going to be going eye for an eye on the Dead Don't Die tonight. And we have a review of Rocket Man. Nice. And because
1: we're going eye for an eye on The Dead Don't Die, this is a good time to play Bill Murray Adam Driver movie trivia.
0: There's a lot of alliteration in this episode. Right? Dead Don't Die, review of Rocket Man. Hmm. Guests' names. This is crazy. It is.
1: Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up was, at the top of the show, before we get it rolling anymore, the big news that you saw all over Twitter and social media that Robert Pattinson is going to be playing Batman, Matt. What, what yes. is your take on that?
0: You would expect that I would be upset, right, as a, as a uh, card-carrying fanboy, but I'm not. I think, actually, it's pretty decent casting. I like Robert Pattinson. I like what he's been doing lately, and I'm not ashamed to admit I even like him in Twilight, twinkling notwithstanding. <laughs>
1: He's a good actor.
0: I, I agree.
1: I mean, we gave him a hard time. I think a little bit for Twilight and that, and that whole series of films, but he has come around to be one of you know these young actors that's putting in his time, working with great directors, taking on challenging roles. We loved Good Time. We talked about it here on the show. So I'm excited for him to take on the role. He gives a little edge that I think that the, the Batman and Bruce Wayne needed.
0: I agree. It, it, Bruce Wayne. He may be the Bruce Wayne-iest of all the people cast as Batman you know Ben Affleck being a close second mm. but he's he's got that swagger he's young he's good looking but he's still got the jawline like he could I'd buy him as Batman the I other, do the
1: other the other thing coming up through the news of him being casted is the fact that Matt Reeves who has directed the Planet of the Apes uh, films mm-hmm. is going to be directing this new Batman movie eh. and this actually what do you mean eh. Eh. Eh, eh this actually got me thinking that Matt Reeves is probably uh, like the, the hottest director going that
0: I'm most excited to see what he does next. Well, if that was the case, then it would have been, Matt Reeves is directing the new Batman movie. But well, I was it wasn't. excited for that. No, the news was Robert Pattinson.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Matt Reeves is, is a big thing coming.
0: I think uh, he's not. I th- Like, the Russo brothers would be a bigger thing. than. That's
1: just because you're an Avengers fan. No, that's because I'm a human who follows movies. I, I Trust me, Matt Reeves is a, a bigger deal than the Russo brothers. You know what? Cinema, Cinema War. War. Ooh, you're going down, Matt. I don't cape.
0: know. I think this one's in the bag.
1: Oh, uh, We'll see. Claire and Shane are going to have their hands full with that uh, cinema war, let me tell you. Yep. All right, uh, before we bring them on, we are celebrating Tilda Swinton all month of June. What do we got, Phil?
2: Yes, this week's Cinema Jaw Tilda Swinton Fact Tilda Swinton was raised entirely around men with her father and her three brothers. Because of this, she claims to have been raised as a boy and became a girl when she went off to boarding school, meaning that she's actually a Virginia Woolf novel. <laughs> I think that
0: makes sense when you consider Tilda Swinton, right? Because mm-hmm. she, she often plays characters with some degree of androgyny. Correct. And she, she can carry herself as a man. In fact, didn't she play a man recently in a movie, like the whole movie? She was a guy. And we were like, why did they cast oh, Tilda Swinton? She
1: was in Suspiria, where she played the old guy in the beginning. That's
0: right. So, yes.
1: Throw it in the fish tank. How many times she's played a guy? I know she played an old guy there. And maybe it's happened more. I can't think of it because you're throwing
0: it right at me. Sorry, sorry. You know, but that's the one I was thinking of. It's Mm -hmm. such an odd casting choice, not because she's not talented enough to pull it off, but because they could have easily just picked somebody else to do it. True. But yeah, she's unrecognizable. Great, great makeup effects.
1: That's an interesting fact. Mm. Twofer. Awesome. All right. So without further ado, Matt, we do bring in our guests, Claire Cooney and Shane Simmons. Uh, They wrote, directed, star, in a short film entitled Runner, they were nice enough to bring a bottle of wine with them into the studio. Cinema jaw first. Yes, Claire and Shane, welcome to Cinema Jaw.
3: Hey. Hey,
1: thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Congratulations with Runner. Thank you. Awesome film, and this is a short right. film, about thirteen minutes in length, that is about a girl who goes out on a run, witnesses a crime. Um, you wrote. Direct it and star in this film, Claire. Where did the idea come from?
3: Um, it, I, honestly, it came from a lot of different things. I was watching a lot of true crime at the time, and like listening to a lot of true crime podcasts, like Serial. Uh, big fan of Serial. Obviously, I included it in the film in a small way, and then um, making a murderer. Uh, those were things that were uh, really influential to, to the film, and kind of I wanted to explore what witnessing something and keeping a secret does to the human's psyche and does to the brain um and what does to you emotionally physically It, it takes a toll on um humans that experience like trauma like that and have to keep it a secret um so that was a big part of it and then a big part of it was also just um based on wanting to capture the sensory experience of um I wanted to explore this shift in perspective that occurred for me. I was on a jog. It was a gorgeous fall day in Chicago, and I had this song pumping in my headphones, like a very twee, poppy song. And I turned the corner, and I see something shady going down down the alley. And all of a sudden I went from feeling like extremely free and powerful and confident and happy and alive to feeling very vulnerable and trapped and scared and suffocated. And all the while the exact same song was pumping in my headphones the whole time. So that shift in perspective um, and the way that my my kind of power could shift so intensely with the same song playing was a big motivator for the film to explore that moment.
0: And, And is your connection to that song now forever changed?
3: Absolutely. yeah. Whenever I hear the song, I mean, I think about the film a lot because I was the e- editor on the film. So, so I've has seen it changed a million like, times Has it changed
0: twice for you now? Yes.
3: like at first, the song, like did carry with it this strange, like dark, sinister quality uh-huh. in a way that it never had before. and actually it made me kind of re-examine certain li- like li- lyrics. I was like, oh, this lyric is kind of creepy, you know, in a way that I would never have. Seen it like that before if I didn't have this kind of me- m- memory. And now uh, I have a double flashback because now if I hear it out at a bar or something, I see the film running in my head because guy. I've seen it one million times. Yeah. But I'm. Um, it's it's um, it's one of those things where I think I, songs are really powerful things. Are really powerful in terms of triggering memories. It's the same with a smell, or the same with a a film reel, or the same with something like like a, just a feeling that you get that immediately takes you back to high school or to like some something that happened in your life, be it positive or traumatic, that really just takes you there. You know,
0: you gotta listen to S Town by what, the way. Why? Total non sequitur. But it's it,
3: it, oh, oh, I love S-Town. Okay, you did listen. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's a true crime-ish.
3: It's true crime-ish. I mean, it's, um, it's more of a
0: suicide mystery. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, it's a
3: trigger warning for people that have any kind of suicide in their family. It's, it's a t- it's just a sad, tough podcast. Yeah, it's hilarious yes. and interesting as all get out. But there's know?
0: layers there
1: of yeah. true crime. Oh, absolutely. For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Runner, the ending of the film is very ambiguous. Yeah. It uh, lets the viewer decide what is going to happen in these characters' lives. Was that always the idea going into
3: the film? Yeah, absolutely. I want it to be very ambiguous and very um, up in the air and let the audience kind of complete what they think would happen. The only thing I knew going into it was that there would be a moment in which this man says are we good I always knew from the very beginning that was like kind of the final line of the film Um, and uh, I hope that's not a spoiler but uh, I think that that's important um, is that this guy is trying to kind of sweep what happened to them under the rug and him saying are we good and I, I think it's, up, it's open to interpretation about how you take the final moments of the film. People have shockingly different responses to the film.
1: Sure, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Now, I was able to watch this on uh, my big screen at home, and it, it plays very uh, theatrically. It looks really beautiful. And a question to you, Shane, is when you're making a movie like this that's shot in natural daylight, that's really a large amount of the film is supposed to be taking place in real time. How difficult is that to sort of keep the continuation going?
4: Yeah, it's extremely difficult to to keep that feeling um one of the actually the benefits uh in our in our respect was we didn't have a lot of time to shoot this. We just didn't, we no didn't time. have time resources. to shoot. Right? 2 days total. 2 days. Two days oh, total, wow, yeah. that's no uh, time And they at all. weren't long days. I mean, they weren't no. like 14-hour days, you they, know. They They were they, like 10-hour days. Yeah. And so we knew that going into it. We knew we, you know, we were asking essentially, you know, favors from our friends, our extremely talented friends. And so we said, how do we do this in a way that's, that's attainable, you know, and, and a lot of that comes from just finding our, our people and trusting them. Um, So one example is Jason Chu, our cinematographer, extremely talented at just working with the natural parameters of the space, whether that's the exterior of an alley or the interior of a bar. And both of those spaces he's able to work very seamlessly and and not fight with what's existing there, you know, just just embrace it, make the scene work and actually um you, you mentioned the the sort of happening in real time aspect, so I, I assume you're talking about the the Beginning running, right? Aspects. The running,
1: and then the witness of the the, the crime. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. yeah, which we are kind of you know did in in somewhat real time. I mean, yeah. we, we tired Claire out quite a bit. <laughs> I uh, ran
3: like seven miles, got, like sprinted seven miles in one day. You know, which is I I I'm hope not. You were wearing I'm, your
4: Fitbit and tracked all the steps.
3: man. I messed up. <laughs>
4: yeah and so that you know we we just said okay how long can you run you know we'll figure out how many takes we get but um, you know there's a lot of uh, that we just we definitely burned through that we did that all in one continuous shoot there was there was no way we could sort of replicate that you know on a, on different days so that was pretty much our first day was was that shoot with some you know additional photography involved and then our second day was everything else mm-hmm. and all, which is all the
3: dialogue all the bar scenes all the the, the final moment in the alley that's mm-hmm. all day 2
4: which is kind of crazy to think about because that that's actually like the bulk of our locations happened in that second day and credit goes to Claire for that because most of w- w- pretty much the only thing um with jason still getting credit of course is the fact that claire was able to be decisive enough to say we got this scene we got this take we got this shot we're moving on yeah that is the only way you get through a day like that uh and we had some locations that we were in and out in about an hour
3: yeah it I mean. was really quick cre- uh our trivia scene which is a pretty climactic moment it's a pretty it's it's the longest scene in the film i think it's like three and a half four minutes long which is long for a short film uh that was shot in an an hour and a half and that's because we just didn't have the space for any longer than that and that's the key you know when shane's talking about trusting your team it was a it was such a matter of trust for me i was i was trusting jason so much to know that we'd done our homework we'd done our pre-production he knew the shot list he knew what i wanted he knew the vibe i wanted and i was able to kind of like whisper to him point to him and then just I had to drop right into the scene because I was acting in that scene are you looking so, at
0: uh, like monitor like of the, of the shots like no because no we, we
3: couldn't afford to get any kind of monitor sure. I, w- I watched playback once the entire time once wow. and that's just because that trust. we've done so much work together uh, we did so much prep I was very specific with what I wanted and also I think he, he has a an incredible eye. I think if you don't trust your DP and treat them like a DP, which is a director of photography, then you're Mm -hmm. doing it wrong. I think if you trust your DP like a camera operator, you're doing it wrong. These guys, you know, if you get a good, talented DP, they can work magic.
1: Yeah, and a question for you on on getting the... Uh, securing the rights for the music, because uh, the band that plays is uh, Borns, Pretty big, yeah. uh, Which is huge. I I mean, I see a lot of these short films, they never have a big song like that. And I know we have a lot of filmmakers and people making movies that are probably interested in knowing, how'd you go about securing the rights to the music?
3: Slowly and painfully. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I started securing the rights to the film, or for, for that for that song, for the use in the film, about uh, 10 months before we actually got the rights. Uh, it started with an initial email. I got kind of an in because I had a friend of a friend who worked at... Um, the place no it was my it was my cousin my, my cousin worked at the label and uh she was able to, to get me in touch with the right person to talk to but that's just step one mm-hmm. like that that's just kind of skipping two or three weeks of waiting through different emails to get to the right person and then you know we fill out the forms we got an initial quote from the person we knew we could never afford that quote um so then it was time to be creative we wrote a very i think persuasive uh, essay on why this thing needs support and why it needs their help. Uh, we then went to the, the publishers who are all the songwriters r- and we, we found out who all those people were. Um, we got an initial quote from them. Also couldn't do that. We reached out to the songwriters via Instagram. You're, One, you're
0: going to the,
4: wow. to the artists
0: at this point.
3: Yes. Okay. Okay. And well,
4: anytime you license a song there's the two sides of it. So there's yeah. the label which owns the recording mm-hmm. and then there's the publishers which own the, the rights to the words and the instrumentation, all that stuff. And, right. and on a given song, it can be multiple different parties. Who are those? The, the creators the, the, of the cru- song. The, the publishers, yeah. yeah. So uh, in this case, it was four different. There were four different guys. Publishers yeah. on the, and that's that's just considered one half of the equation. Jeez. And then the other half is the you know the rights to the actual recording. What a racket! Right? You
3: usually have to match right. So if you if you if you're going to pay um, the publish the, uh, the, the the master copy a thousand bucks. For the use then you have to pay the publishers a thousand bucks for the use right so i think the master's initial quote for us was like two grand right so that that means we're looking at four grand total for that song and Our film cannot afford that. We made this film for almost no money. So uh, we just had to beg, borrow, and steal to get the attention of these people. Uh, But it worked. Yes, it did. We finally got the attention of a guy on Instagram who was wonderful. He's one of the writers of the song, and he agreed to our very small rate. And so then all the other publishers would match his very small rate. And once they all matched that rate, we could go back to the master copy and say, hey, here's our all-in from the publisher's side. Will you please match this? And they basically did. Mm. So, yeah, um, we got them to take it down quite a lot. Yeah. interesting persistency
1: right that's that's the key that's the
3: key to this entire business it's Mm -hmm. the people that stay in this business the longest it is a survival of the fittest like it is truly a matter of how you be respectful but you have to always ask and it's a fine line between bothering people and 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 being um thorough and being persistent yeah always
0: ask is key there we i used to make movies way back in the day with charles klein a, a guest friend of the show and we wanted Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, my gosh, right? yes. Everybody loves that song. So I don't know how this happened, where we got the number. This was, you know, 10, 15 years ago now. But we wound up on the phone with the guitarist from the Blue Oyster oh, Cult. Oh, my and gosh. And I apologize Amazing. to Blue Oyster Cult fans. I don't remember the guy's name. Oh but we my talked gosh. to him for like throw an hour. Throw in the hour.
3: fish tank. <laughs> yeah, throw in the fish tank, yeah.
0: And, you know, we just told him about the film and why we wanted the song. And, yeah. you know, he started to talk about all the publishing and this and that and,
3: right.
0: you know, the red tape. We didn't use the song, but we talked to the guitarist from the Blue Oyster <laughs> Club.
3: To just pick up the
0: phone. I think that's, 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 a, that's the, the takeaway. That's the first step, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or yeah. these days, you know, fire up an email,
1: but You have to
3: do ask. it. You have to ask. You have to ask, and you have to ask nicely, but you have to ask, and you have to follow up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, the great thing is a lot of times we have uh, guests on that uh, have movies that are, are sometimes difficult to see. They're in the festival run, but Runner is out on YouTube.
0: Yes. It is. That's fantastic. We can put it right in the show notes. Yes. Hey-o. So,
1: jawhead's out there. You can pause this podcast and go over to YouTube or our webpage. Click on the link and you can watch the movie. Yeah. And then discuss and with us. Yeah. Yes. Tell yeah. us, let us say? know. Like, you know?
3: comment. Yeah, we're on this awesome channel called Amaleto on YouTube and they're they've been wonderful. They've a great subscriber base that has been uh, so wonderful with this film. It was so fun to see, especially the first day. It was like thousands of viewers every hour and so many comments. It was so much fun. And uh, yeah, we're really psyched, so we're online.
1: Somewhat of a silly question for you, Claire. Mm -hmm. I, I know when I've seen myself running in videos that maybe my friend takes. I'm always like, what? I don't run like that, do I? Was it weird to see you running on the big screen?
3: So it was. <laughs> I mean, like, I've been an actor now for a while, so I'm used to watching myself and just being like, all right, well, that's not perfect, but I'm just going to get over that, you know? But um, I run very upright. Like, I, I, I just look so tall. <laughs> I think I thought I would look, I am very tall. I'm six feet tall. Uh, but I look so proper and upright, and I, I, I wasn't trying to. I was busting my butt. Like, I was working hard. Yeah, you were think... doing, like,
0: 400 takes, I, too. I think that's the point. Also, we were in a
4: car, and yes. she was running. Yeah. On foot, right? Yeah. So. That's how you got the, those like, tra- tracking shots? That's how we got the tracking nice. shots, Nice, that was yeah. well done for yeah. a car. Yeah, nice. we
3: used a, a, r- a Ronin, our, our buddy, Corey, thank you, Corey, he has a Ronin, and mm. that's basically, like, for those who aren't familiar, it's kind of a
0: it's like a harness cam, right? It's, yeah, it's kind of it's a, a lower robotic. budget
3: version of like a, a Steadicam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, but the, the, they're fantastic, and and so yeah, we used the, the Ronin in my in my car <laughs> in my Honda Pilot, like, and they were driving alongside it, and I'm like. R- it, trying to get the speed right, right? So they're shouting, like, faster or slower. And I'm just, like, running down this boulevard. And it was a trip, yeah.
4: <laughs> also keep in mind, she said it was her car.
1: So mm-hmm. we were driving her car, yelling at her to <laughs> run <runners. laughs> faster. Yeah.
3: Hey, guys, indie filmmaking, you know? You got to do what you got to do.
1: I love it. Uh, we're going to talk to Shane and Claire about all their other highlights in, in the second part of the interview. Because yeah. we were also had a small part in, in Widows,
3: which I did, yeah. we,
1: we gave four Jaws here on, on Ooh, Cinema I, jaws I like that. Big fans. Yes. Great movie. Uh, For the Jawheads, listening to this that want to check out the movie follow you guys on social media anything else you want to plug where's the best place to go to online to do so
3: yeah um, you can go to my website claire-cooney.com um, and if you go to claire-cooney.com slash runner the film is right there embedded right there uh, if you want to watch the film it's on YouTube uh, uh, the channel's called Amaletto but if you just YouTube runner short film that'll pop right up uh, I'm on Instagram I think it's just at at Claire Cooney I'm not sure though <laughs> it's- no, it's, it's at CooneyCM. Yeah. There you go. That's there my go. Instagram handle. <laughs> Look me up.
4: Yeah, for me, it's uh, Shane-Simmons.com. Very bare bones. Straight to business. Uh, <laughs> the, the visuals come in on Instagram at Shane Simmons altogether. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. Do it, everybody. Follow Absolutely.
1: Them. We like to end our guest interviews with a silly cinema cue. Phil, you got something for Shane and Claire?
2: Yes, I do this week, guys. Uh, so as we said at the top of the show, it is CinemaJaw's Tilda Swinton month. Uh, so I wanted a Tilda Swinton question for you guys. And I was just thinking, um, Tilda Swinton famously, um, she has a pretty iconic haircut, I think. Uh, Very much And so. she has... Uh, you mean it, bald, like in uh, <laughs> Avengers Endgame? Well, and that's what I was going to say. She's worn a lot of haircuts on screen, too. Uh, just out of more or less general curiosity, what do you think hairstyle... Tilda Swinton kills it in the most.
3: It's got to be her classic short. I mean, yeah,
4: I mean, <laughs> e- easy answer is is your your classic, you know, um, same haircut Phil has, uh, <laughs> short, you know, close uh, with those beautiful, you know tendrils uh, yeah the yeah. the wispiness kind of creeping in uh you know the strawberry blonde is it is it is it, is it or ginger or is it correct to say i which? think
3: so but it at times looks like it's almost like that 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 white blonde she's got look. a platinum yeah. that's true yeah. yeah that's what i that's the tell i like right there yeah. but
4: i would love to see you know some shag going on i think she could rock like a oh, she you know, does
0: yeah
3: in, in, in what? a shag and what? Oh,
0: oh, I mean, like the the hairstyle she has in Narnia is pretty oh. far out. And then even in right. only Lovers Left Alive, she's got this long, like luxurious hair. But I think the, the page boy, the yellow page boy from Okja.
3: Oh, wow, you're going page boy. Yeah, it's oh, really wow. bad. Okay. <laughs> it's, oh, that's a
0: great one. It's funny. Yeah, she it does. kills it in it, though. She does. She <laughs> kills it in anything. She kills it bald. She's awesome. great.
1: So Claire and Shane are sitting in on this entire job. They have their top five favorite films with a witness uh, yes. scene involved. Cool. Brings us to Eye for an Eye.
2: Yes, Eye for an Eye, The Dead Don't Die. The peaceful town of Centerville finds itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start rising from their graves. This film stars Bill Murray, Adam Driver, and it also has appearances by the woman herself, Tilda Swinton, Tom Waits, Chloe Savini, Iggy Pop, Rosie Perez, Selena Gomez, and Danny Glover. It is written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, who is the man behind Only Lovers Left Alive, Broken Flowers, and Coffee and Cigarettes. Rye, what do you got?
1: I think we talked about this during our summer movie preview. We my, did. My concern of the movie was that it looks like a Wes Anderson zombie movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I'm a huge I would Wes, love Anderson a Wes Anderson fan Anderson fantastic. zombie movie. But the only thing being that it's not Wes Anderson, you know? So that's the
0: one thing Jarmoosh. I'm a little
1: bit worried about. But come on, with that cast, Jim Jarmusch, interested.
0: Matt? I've yet to see a movie from Jim Jarmusch that I didn't love. Uh, Dead Man is one of my favorite movies, mm. and he's just amazing. So it does seem a bit like a, hey, guys, let's make a zombie movie. Absolutely. But I'm okay with that. I'm interested. <laughs> and I think it's going to be way more than that.
3: Claire? Oh, I'm psyched. I'm f- fully psyched, yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, the
4: thing that I always go back to when seeing this trailer and, and seeing the key art and everything is is uh, Zombieland. Uh, you know, Bill Murray mm-hmm. all of a sudden shows up and you're like, I'm I'm listening. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel with this. Obviously, the Wes Anderson caveat is legit. But I feel like you can never predict Jarmusch and, it, and you never know what you're going to get. And I'm in for it. Yeah.
1: Phil, so far four interested. Where do you sit, buddy?
2: Five for five. Wow! Oh yeah. I think uh, zombies uh, inherently can be kind of goofy, and I, I love it when like this kind or like Zombie Land, like Shane said, it's not taken too seriously. I think that's when it thrives, and I, I'm I'm buckled in. I'm stoked.
1: Matt, it should be noted. I also threw this question out onto Instagram. Oh, did a poll. See where they are interested or ignore on the dead won't die. Mm-hmm. Currently, we are at fifty-seven percent only. Interested, 43% are saying ignore. That's
0: incredibly weird.
1: After we just went five for five on interested.
0: I, I don't understand that at all. Maybe it's the zombies turning people off. Whatever. Fossil. Five
1: interested for the dead don't die. We got to get a review out, Matt. Can't wait.
0: Excited.
1: I'm excited. Uh, speaking of new movies, Matt, biopics about musicians and rock stars have always been a favorite subject matter for Hollywood. But after the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, it seems to be kicked into a higher gear. Rocket Man brings Elton John's story to the big screen in a spectacular that is flashy, eccentric, and full of great songs. How fitting! Matt and I took a walk down the yellow brick road to see if we could feel the love of this candle in the wind.
2: Start so as a fat boy from nowhere. Get to be a soul man you got to kill the person you were born to be in order to become the person you want to be. I'm thinking of changing my name to Elton. but That's my name. Yeah, I know.
1: The film opens with Elton John in full Elton gear. A sparkling jumpsuit, glasses three times the size of his face, and a large headdress on top of his balding cranium. Is he walking on the stage? No, he is checking himself into rehab. It is at this point that the character will reflect back on his childhood and early career. We then see flashbacks to Elton as a young child, clearly a musical savant. He is able to play almost any song he hears on the piano without reading music or having any formal training. We see his troubled relationship with his father and his inability to express himself to his mother. We also see him unhappy, Diving into drinking and drugs eventually, we see him meet his friend Bernie, who he would go on to write lyrics for Elton for years to come, and all the success that he has. Along the way, we do pick up tidbits such as where he got his stage name from and how big of concerts he played. I give director Dexter Fletcher credit for trying, trying to tell the story in a more abstract way. There are moments when characters break out in song, Slow motion, capturing a moment of people floating in excitement. It was not a straight-up biopic, and I was happy for that. As for Taron Egerton, who plays Elton, I thought he did a great job here. Will we see him nominated for awards like we did Rami Malek, who played Freddie Mercury? I think the answer is no. The story of the rock star is becoming old hat in a lot of ways. We've seen this story before more than a few times, and although Rocket Man tries to take a new approach to it, I felt it played it a little too safe. Matt?
0: Well, they always play it a little too safe, don't they? I mean, this is kind of a send-up fluff piece in a way. I like Elton John. I love the music. I thought all the performances were good, but it's a really vain movie, right? Because Elton John, all the other biopics, like Freddie Mercury is past... Johnny Cash was gone when we got Walk the Line. Mm -hmm. But Elton John's still alive. So it seems like, come on, why are we doing an Elton John biopic? He's still here. He's still making music. There's still more of the story to tell. So, And then you see at the end of the film, this isn't a spoiler, he's the executive producer. Right. So really, Elton John made his own Elton John movie. Wow. And don't get me wrong, he deserves it. And and honestly, it kind of fits. It just fits Elton. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way. You get
1: where I was going. They were trying to be a little bit more abstract than, say, like yeah. what we just saw with Bohemian Rhapsody, which was pretty paint-by-the-numbers biopic for, for a rock band. It plays here, like a Broadway musical. Right. Here they at least broke out into song and dance, say they were at a diner, all of a sudden they would start singing and it played a little bit like a musical, but it wasn't a straight-up musical. I like that aspect of it, but I think they needed to do more of that, take more risks with that, with the actual storytelling.
0: Yeah, there was, there was really no big risks taken. Even, even with all the drug and, and alcohol abuse and stuff, and, and the sex, like I don't feel like they really got into anything terribly deep or, or damaging to Elton's character.
1: Right, there was an article I had read about, uh, I don't know if it was Russia or some country was gonna cut this sex scene. And I thought, oh, okay, before I saw the film that gave me the idea, like this is gonna be pretty kind edgy. Kind of racy. Yeah, right. like an edgy film. It, it doesn't have that feel at all.
0: Well, I was thinking the same exact thing when I was watching it, like, is this edgy? And no, I mean a little, maybe. I guess not so much.
3: So compared to like Bohemian, is it is it is it more risk taking, or is it just a different beast? Uh, what's the what's the comparison? I there? still
0: have yet to see Bohemian. You're Rhapsody. are kidding no, me. No, I'm not kidding you. It's sitting on my shelf. I have to watch it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it, it's a little bit different. I would I would say it takes in a weird way. It takes a little bit more risks than Bohemian Rhapsody, okay. but it doesn't play it. I, I don't think nearly. Uh, as big, like it doesn't feel like the big enough story e- for me.
3: Epic is right. right yeah, you know, yeah,
1: this uh, Bohemian Rhapsody ended with this uh, just climactic epic. right yeah, yeah. of concert. You never really get that feel of size
0: with Rocket Man. Got At least it. I didn't. Got well, he does turn into a rocket and explode in the sky. <laughs> oh, that was pretty that's strange.
1: Cool. But, but I needed more of that. I, that's what I was talking about. Like it, it, there were just flashes, enough to make it a little different. Right. But I would have liked it sort of bonkers and be very abstract, like a, like a Pink Floyd, the wall sort mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah. but a little happier, go a little bit happier, hmm.
0: but very abstract. I like so. it.
1: Uh, Breaking it down a little bit further, uh, element that you want to highlight here, Matt, or a scene?
0: Yeah. So my favorite scene in this film is a scene toward the end of the movie where it becomes the Elton John that I knew when I met him in the eighties. And I was a very little kid watching MTV. Uh, and anyone who's familiar with the, the, the like first spat of MTV videos will recognize it. Like, why does this look familiar? And then all of a sudden it starts to click, Oh, this is, this is the MTV video for a particular song. And, and I liked it. I mm. really did. It took you back.
1: For me, it's also a scene I wanted to highlight was when he plays the uh, troubadour in L.A. This is the first time Elton John has come across... Uh, the pond. The pond, yeah. and he comes over to the U.S., and he's gonna have this big moment. And I guess this is probably that, that climactic... I mean, and this is early on in the film, but at least concert-wise, it feels like it's a big moment for him. And sure. this is, again, where I'm, I'm speaking of where they take a slow-motion shot, and they basically show him jumping... Um, on the piano, which is something that he must have done. This is where they got the idea from. But they put that in slow motion where he's almost like floating above the piano while he's playing. And the whole crowd is with him, begins to float in the entire wow uh, arena. It, I actually got a little emotional because it, it's like that moment where it just connected with everybody that realized, oh, we're watching a, a future star here. That, that was pretty cool.
3: That's awesome. It was. Yeah, I mean, about, that makes me excited to see the film. Yeah, that's, that's cool. How, how about a, a,
1: something you had trouble with?
0: I didn't like all the the musicality. What I mean by that is is how it suddenly broke into song. The first few times it happened, it really took me out because I wanted to just enjoy it as a as a as a biopic with you know music interlaced. But it, this is a musical, so I think going expecting a musical, maybe you won't be as as like jarred by it as I was. But mm. I didn't care for it, and there was a couple of scenes in particular where I'm like. Just, you know, get on with the story. Stop, like, breaking into song. It's a little <laughs> annoying. It's kind of childish in a way.
1: Uh, for me, Jessica Chastain plays his mom in the movie. She was great. Oh, you liked her. You didn't? No, because she was playing almost oh like a God. caricature of, like, a, a mom who's uninterested in her son.
0: At times, she was loving. She was, yeah, I don't know. I thought she added I, I felt some complexity. No
1: connection. It felt like she was doing her own thing that had nothing to do with Elton John.
0: I don't know, man. I think that's kind of the point of her character. I liked it a lot. I didn't like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> what is, about, it, is she as good as the mom in Bohemian Rhapsody? Mm,
1: I would say no.
4: That mom killed it. Amazing. She brought it home, yeah, I think. No
1: pun intended. Yeah, I think there needed to be some type of connection, and maybe there never was, and that what is what Elton was trying to get at, that she never really, even when... You know, he had his success. Maybe there was never a connection with his mom. Mm. Maybe that was the point, but I don't even know if that was driven home. It was just like she was doing her own thing and not connected well, to the did story. Well,
0: ex- she did accept his sexuality, right? but uh, little else in mm-hmm. his life. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the point he was driving home. Influences here, Matt, uh, obviously walked the Line, I I took yeah. away, especially
1: with the drinking because he was a big uh, drunk. And Across the Universe, the the Beatles,
0: Ooh. where the, he had... It at gets least, a little gonzo.
1: Yes, and at least you had a different versions of his song inside the movie. It wasn't straight up where Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, for instance, we were more or less seeing the songs replicated. Here, there's a little bit different of... Takes on the, the songs themselves, especially, say, like something like Tiny Dancer. Uh, he just basically sings that at a party, walking through. That, that kind of stuff
0: I liked. I'm glad you brought that up. I did not like the guy's voice at all. Listen. Really? Yeah. I mean, when they did Bohemian Rhapsody, I haven't seen the film, but I know this much from listening to interviews of Rami Malik and such. Um, it, Malik would begin the song and end the song and they'd mix Freddie's voice on top well, of it. Well,
3: not just Freddie's voice. There's a an impersonator mm-hmm. who who is incredible. And so they right. would blend all three of their voices together. Okay. Like in some freaking fantastic way. Some freaking fantastic <laughs> it way. was there. it was amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I don't know what is going on. Maybe they did all that with three different people in this movie too, but the end result is is not as good. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, again, taken out of it. I'm like, this guy, I mean, come on. First of all, that's a tall order to fill to, to sing like Elton John when you're playing Elton John in a movie. And he, I just don't think he had the chops. Mm-hmm. Or whoever was doing those voices. Yeah.
3: That's what surprising because they have the yeah, guy I, alive that they could use to like blend it with right so yeah
1: I, I wouldn't say i was like down on it like you but I, I definitely it wasn't something that i came away like oh you gotta hear yeah, this like guy this singing this guy's the Elton got pipes right. not so much i agree i agree uh what'd you learn here matt cocaine is bad for you
3: mm. you just learned that
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i learned that biopics would be better off if the people they were about were not producing the film that's what i wrote down here and you already touched on bingo, it. bingo so. right yep. yeah totally how about a movie poster quote matt
0: Uh, this one was tough, but I went with get ready for liftoff. Kind of weak. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) real weak. (laughs) I I went with, uh,
1: sorry to to trump you again here, Matt. I Um, went with, uh, Rocket Man fails to blast off.
0: (laughs) It's the same exact thing I (laughs) said. No, no,
1: it's, it's, it's much catchier. But you're down, you're more down on (laughs) it than me, except your review is mostly positive. (laughs) How many Jaws? I'm giving this two and a half jaws. I'm two and a half jaws also. So yeah. we're sort of falling in the same spot. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. It's passable. You're not going to gonna... want
0: your money back, but you're like, eh.
1: Don't go out of your way. Okay. Is what I would okay. say.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm. All right. No big witness scene where Elton John saw somebody you know get dumped in a dumpster <laughs> or anything like that. But that is our topic this week because Claire and Shane are behind the film Runner, in which a runner here in Chicago witnesses a crime. Uh, we'd like to let the guests start, and we like to ask them, was this a fun list to come up with, difficult for you guys? Where'd you fall?
4: Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> I mean, because, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Jump, feel free Let's to jump in, ahead. anyone. You don't want to lean too far into crime dramas. Right. You know, John Grisham is fantastic. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's immediately where, you know... Um, your mind goes. Your mind goes. Uh, you know, just based on titles alone... Um, Obviously, well, there's, we there's almost one title out there that <laughs> sort of witness, screams. Uh, we yeah. almost
3: named Runner, like the witness or like the, like we were looking at all these different kinds of things that were just like, this feels wrong. This sounds like a John Grisham film, <laughs> right. you know?
4: Like. But then also, you know, you you want to embrace the the prompt and and try to think a little bit outside the box. So. You know, I don't think we did that, but uh, (laughs) I think there's a lot of potential for that. And I'm excited to hear what you guys came up with as well. But um, this is a really, this is a really cool because we all have this interest, I think, you know, deep inside of, you know, this, this ability to just come across something that is fascinating and that we shouldn't be a part of. And holy cow, here we are. We're in the middle of it. What do we do? It's it's such a human, like a visceral human experience. Sure. To end up being a part of something that you you never planned Didn't and probably don't want to be a part of, right. But all of a sudden you are, and when you hear about other people doing it, you can't peel yourself away from the story. Uh, and and what if that was you? I think is it, you're immediately in in the uh, the viewpoint of the character.
1: No doubt, like yeah. it. So you guys are getting to start it with number five. What do you got sitting there?
3: Well, right, okay, so we split it up. So I chose two, he chose, chose two, and then we, we have like a shared number one. So um, starting at five, my, right? My two, yeah. So, no, uh, just your number five. My number five, yeah. all right. We'll start at five. Spotlight. Have you guys seen Spotlight? Oh, I have Absolutely. seen Spotlight, yeah. Yeah. So Spotlight is not really about one witness kind of seeing something, but it's about a lot of witnesses, mm-hmm. and it's also about the fact that um, the Catholic Church was kind of – witness to a crime over many, 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 many years and they many, this, many. this church kept this secret many. because it was a very inconvenient secret for them to keep. But they were very aware of it. In this film you learn very quickly that these people like you confront them about something and within moments you realize that they already know the thing you're confronting them about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's a shocking film. It's a really well done film and it's a tense thriller in some ways. I actually love like reporter based films, like all the president's men. Like I love that stuff. Sure. And Spotlight does a really good job of dealing with people that are both victims and witnesses. And then uh, kind of adjusting the fact that the church in kind of a meta way is a witness to this horrific, crime that's been going on for a long Great. time. Best yeah. Picture?
1: It did? It yeah. won Great. Best Picture and yeah. I
3: got so ridiculously excited. <laughs> it's one of my favorite films and I didn't think it was going to ever win and it won and it was I was a bit of a dark so horse. psyched. Uh, uh, I was psyched, yeah. yeah you were.
1: Yeah. Big it kicks man. us off with a good one here, Matt. Can you follow it up? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I'm throwing it not as good of a film. I'm throwing it back to 1997. This was sort of the one of the front runners of the second wave of slasher horror movies but it's very much about a witness okay. of a crime. Okay, I know what you did last summer.
3: Ahoy! Uh, uh,
0: not as good as Spotlight, but it's right there <laughs> oh, in the title, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're pretty close. Off. They're pretty close. <laughs> um, I, I would say that this is a classic horror movie at this point. That sort of reinvigorated the whole teen slasher comedy thing, and I guess you had um, not scary movie. What was Scream? It? Scream. Thank you. Right. Um, they they sort of you know fit together like little Lego bricks in the '90s to sort of rebuild that. I don't know if that's a good thing. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, And it was a fun thriller. Hmm.
1: Yeah. It was not bad. I mean, it's a car. (laughs) It's
0: a good one on the list, Well, I mean, (laughs) I think everybody has this experience, or maybe not, you know, certainly not of a murder, but, like, in the picture, they they hit somebody with their car, and Mm -hmm. they dispose of the body, and they all agree, we're never going to discuss this again. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody has that one secret with a group of friends. Like, you know, somebody was at a sleepover, broke the plate, and we're not going to tell mom we we broke the plate. So, I think it was an experience we could all relate to.
3: We all keep secrets. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure.
1: Um, swings it over to my number five. I think four of my five I've never talked about on CinemaJaw, so I'm excited for this yes. top five list. Mm. My number five came out uh, last year, 2018. Um, did Ooh. not discuss it. I'm speaking oh, of. Don't do it. No, The Hate You Give. Oh, thank God. Okay. The Hate You Give, which uh, concerns a 16 year old named Star Carter who is driving home with her childhood friend. Stars an African American 16 year old girl. She lives in the black neighborhood, but she goes to a private school, which is predominantly white, and on a ride home with their best friend, they're pulled over by uh, cops, and the cop mistakes uh, the, the friend, he's getting like a brush out of his car, mistakes it for a weapon, and shoots him dead. And Star is the witness to this entire crime. And she doesn't want to come out and be named. And and the film then, it's based on a a young adult novel by the same name, The Hate You Give. And it it tackles a lot of themes in there. Uh, The idea that she doesn't want to necessarily just come out and be that witness because she's still friends with uh, her friends that are at the private school. She she just
0: wants to have a normal life. Right.
1: Um, But she understands also how big everything's becoming and how important it is to speak out uh, for the truth. It really tackles a lot. Uh, Good flick. The Hate you Give. I hope most people get out there and check
0: it out.
3: Awesome. Boy, I'm I'm not doing good with the the, I Know What You
0: Did Last Summer so far. No.
1: No. Yeah,
3: you're really really bringing us down. I'm going to step it up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right.
0: Number four,
4: Shane. Well, okay, so I'm going to say it. Um, No, no, no. Just just go right
3: to there. Yeah.
4: This is... uh, starts with the idea of a witness and then we just we're just going to jump off leap off <laughs> oh from there oh my goodness
1: i'm i'm so worried right now you should be
4: let me have uh, a sip of wine it's actually no i'm going to i'm going to sister act <laughs> <laughs> i am so glad uh, i moved sister act into the honorable mentions <laughs> <laughs> so it, i had to i had to actually even remind myself that it started with her being in witness protection uh yeah and, yeah like i forgot cuz i remember there was there was a reason she started what she did, you know, the. the a reason she hanging out with nuns. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and wait a minute. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. It's, it's, it's obviously an excuse to have a super fun movie, um, tons of energy, tons of musical numbers. Um, And that's uh, you know it's a fun one. We're making fun, but this was a bona fide hit in its day.
1: Absolutely, we had Elias's brother Donnie on. he came out and said this was his favorite movie of all time. You're kidding me,
0: unabashedly. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Nice pick, Matt. All right. Uh, At number four, I have two of my favorite actors of all time: Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. In My Blue Heaven, which is the story of the same mobster from Goodfellas who turns coat on the mob and becomes a uh, goes into the witness protection program. But in this one, it's a comedy, not like Goodfellas where people are being stabbed with kitchen knives in the trunk. Uh, it's Steve Martin playing the same character that Ray Liotta plays, but he's... This is when, after all is said and done, it's not his story of his rise to the top of the mob. He's in witness protection. He's this, like, flashy gangster suddenly living in, like, like picket fence suburbia. And he's just, like, tipping everybody and rolling in a limo to, like, Little League and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. I mean, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, you can kind of do the math. (laughs) It's a classic. And I think at this point... It's sort of underseen because it's pretty old. Yeah, that is. It's, big time. Yeah. It's, it's I, worth a spin. Yeah. I've never seen it. Thank yeah. you for I, the wreck. I think the mobster is uh, Henry Hill, right? Henry Hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you. I haven't seen that in a long time. I remember liking it, though. It's definitely worth a spin. It holds yeah, up. You have to watch it. I, I go back to serious with my number four pick. This one came out in uh, 2007. Uh, Mark Foster directed the film. It's also based on a very popular novel entitled The Kite Runner.
3: Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that one. And, good, good pick, good pick. All
1: right, uh, it is, the Kite Runner is broken up into two timelines. You got basically like present day, and then a flashback to the 1970s. These two characters are, are young boys at the time, Amir and Hassan, um, who are friends. And, and it's a weird relationship because Hassan's father works as a servant for Amir's father. Mm-hmm. But the boys themselves are friends, even though the fathers are on two different social... Strata. Uh, levels, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is um, in Afghanistan, and there is a, a, a kite-flying competition where Amir a is flying a kite, and the kite goes off in the distance. Hassan then goes to retrieve the kite and is uh, pinned by like three bullies that that are giving him a tough time and then amir comes to uh find out where hassan is and he then at that point sort of freezes and doesn't want to interrupt the crime that's about to go down they basically end up um beating up hassan and actually even raping him and amir witnesses all this and doesn't know how to process it never can talk about it feels that he did something wrong by seeing it and not saying anything and not acting and the two are, are never the same and if you haven't seen the Kite Runner or read the book, it, it, it really explores a lot and goes to different places. It's really interesting. That book killed um, me. I mean, interesting it's, story. It's
3: a gorgeous book. I, I I'm not sure if I've, I've seen the film. To be, I I don't know if I have. I haven't so read the I'm book, excited.
1: but I've seen the film, well, and the I can at least incredible. yeah, I can at least vouch for the film. And okay. I thought the film was amazing. Awesome, so. that's great. Yeah, awesome. The Kite Runner. Nice. Good pick, Rye. good pick,
3: Good pick. Good pick. Yeah. Good pick. First time I've talked about I mean, it on Cinematch. No, Joker.
0: I know what you did last summer, but <laughs> heyo. Into our threes we go.
3: All right, uh, blind spotting. Have you guys seen it? Uh, yes, yes. On All my right. list for sure. Oh, is it on it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. So uh, I'm going to read this thing. It's a um, American comedy drama. Uh, it's with. Uh, d- d- is it? David Diggs? Daveed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He's he's awesome. Basically, he is on probation for a crime, and he has to be back to his like kind of community living situation by midnight, or else I think he gets like, he can be thrown back in jail. Like, well, it very... Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, exactly. The modern-day version of being turned into a pumpkin is a black man being thrown back into jail. Great. Fa- fantastic. But yeah, so he's um, driving back to where he has to stay for the night and like report, and he has chores to do, all the different things he has to do to not get back thrown back in jail and um, this guy runs into his truck and he's like what the what the heck and this guy keeps running and he realizes that a cop is chasing this man it's a black man and um, and he hears the cop say stop and then he hears the black man say don't shoot don't shoot and his hands are up and he gets shot from behind like three times Um, and David Diggs his character if he has a run in with the cops this puts him in so much danger to be to be back in prison yeah. and to be into to be involved with another in crime. Mm-hmm. He's not in a position to report this, right? and uh and he also to be honest like a white cop being charged with the murder of a black man is not necessarily going to always result well for the people that report it or for the people that are involved and so he doesn't report it but this thing haunts him like haunts him haunts him haunts him for months and months and months and we see different nightmares involving Mm -hmm. the cop and different dreams and just the psychological like torture he's enduring and um spoiler alert uh, he does have to confront the cop at one point in the film and it's it's really a powerful moment and it's sure it's, is. it's 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 a re- it's like you recognize how much this has been haunting him kind of mm-hmm. like under the surface for so long and it's interesting because in my film uh, I'm a white wo- I'm a white wo- woman and people are like why didn't she report this and I think it's one of those things where like this character in this film has so many more reasons to not report than I do right. but yet like I think there's a lot of different odd psychological things that are involved in terms of reporting or not reporting a crime. And they're more complicated than we might think at first glance. And, um, this film does a really incredible job depicting that. It, it was,
0: it was smack in the middle of one of the best years of film yeah. we've ever seen, which was last year. Right. Um, the thing is like, he's sort of in the middle of reassessing his life, yeah. right? Cause he's just gotten out of jail he kind of realizes that his best friend, he loves this guy, but loves he may him. not be the best influence. I mean,
3: he is a blind spot for this guy, right? right. Like, he he loves his friend, but his friend's kind of the worst. <laughs> well, or is he the worst?
0: I don't know. There's there's a lot going on, and, and everything is sort of right. coming together. It's an I, it's, interesting
1: it, relationship.
3: Sure. A, it is. And
0: it's it a is. great movie. Holy it crap. Is. And That's you're great. right.
1: The ending, when, when he sees this cop in that confrontation. Oh, man. One of the best scenes of the year.
3: Oh, it it, it yeah. is it is one of those scenes where I saw it and I thought this is the most theatrical thing I've seen on film in a very long time mm-hmm. in a great way. Yes, you know? great
1: yeah. pick. Get out there and see Blind Spotting yep. if you have not. Yeah.
0: All right, man, am I downshifting again here, <laughs> sticking sticking to the sticking to the 90s? Well, I have Blind Spotting on my list too. I was like, that was we'll where I was going to we'll kick it into high gear. Uh, This one came out in 1993. I don't know why I was stuck in the '90s this week, but uh, Judgment Night. Have you guys
1: seen this movie? No. Oh, you're talking with Emilio
0: Estevez? Yes, yes, yeah. So it's Emilio <laughs> Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, who else is it? Jeremy Piven? Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, yeah. And and the wow. uh, the villain is um, oh my god. The, throw it in the jaw box. Throw it in the fish tank. I can't remember the guy who's uh, unapologetically a smoker. He's a comedian. Anyway. I don't. I'm just having a brain fart on his We'll name. find out. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um, these these guys are out for a night on the town, and they they witness a crime uh, with some drug deal gone wrong, and they then are being chased by this gang all through the streets, and uh, it's sort of a survivor's tale. Like they kind of have to at some point fight back, and it's it's also really Are they in Detroit. I for some reason, Detroit, Detroit
1: sticks out. Represent. My mind. Yeah, it's
0: definitely. <laughs> I think Detroit, but. Uh, One of the things that's most memorable about this movie is it's very much uh, one of the first major collaborations of metal and hip-hop in a soundtrack. And the soundtrack may have been more important than the movie. Like, you have Cypress Hill with, like, Anthrax, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack that it's, it's very much of its time.
1: I don't know how the movie would hold up today, but...
0: Reflecting back on it, I I have fond memories. I have fond memories. I haven't seen it in a good long while, but I still listen to the soundtrack now and then.
1: It's better than We Know What You Did Last Summer.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. You're on your way up, man. I know you love the ratings, 93% on
1: on Google. Interesting. Uh, My number three, a Tom Hanks movie. Heck Uh yes, always. 2002, directed by Sam Mendes, Mm. it starred Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, and some guy named Daniel Craig, Road to Perdition.
3: Great pick, great pick. I should have thought of that, damn it. (laughs) This is
1: where he plays, Tom Hanks of all people, plays an enforcer to the Irish mob, Mm. and they are going to do their job. It's him and actually Daniel Craig um, going out to sort of rough and tough this guy, so they think at the time. And Tom Hanks' son, Michael, Sneaks into the car, and Tom Hanks doesn't know that he's in the car. They go out to this uh, site, and he ends up witnessing Daniel Craig actually shoot the guy. Well, at that point, now he's, you know, witness to a murder, and the Irish mob now just wants to wipe out the kid and basically all Tom Hanks' family. Like, this is what we have to do to protect our own. Um, Well, Hanks isn't going to have that. This is Tom Hanks. He's not fun. Tom's out of fight. He's it's the cat. father yeah. of America. <laughs> so they go on a run. They rob banks together. You get you get some great scenes of uh, old time Chicago. There's this wonderful shot. I think it's looking down like LaSalle, where they put in a bunch of old time cars and really gives you this old feel of Chicago. Um, sort of almost romanticizes robbing the banks, where you get the the little uh, son Michael driving the getaway car and Tom Hanks going in and out of the banks. Jude Law appears in this movie as a photographer who gets cut up by a bunch of glass, and he's got all these scars on his face.
0: Isn't he a would-be assassin? He is. Okay. Yeah,
1: and then he's hired to uh, hunt them down as well. Wow. And there's a great diner scene in there where um, Tom Hanks and, and his son are eating, and Jude Law comes into the diner, and this just tension It's awesome. Right. So. On a
4: production note, a big Chicago movie. Production. So many Chicago actors yeah. also involved in that movie. Uh, really awesome. And, and also uh, on a personal note, was filmed uh, in across the river from my hometown, uh, Rock Island, Illinois, across from my hometown of Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, very cool. Like I mean, that was huge back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also uh, based on a graphic novel from a, mm-hmm. an Iowa writer, Max Allen Collins. Nice. Yeah. Look at you. I've been trying this to turn Ryan ra- right wow. to graphic novel. Wow, yeah.
1: we got some good facts here. So yeah. my number three, Road to Perdition, well worth a spin if you haven't seen it, into our twos.
4: OK. Uh, this one was tricky. I actually just changed it.
1: <laughs> he pulled an audible. Yes. I pulled an
4: audible. Uh, no, not based on anything we've said today, but I just had a feeling. Um, I'm going to go with Find Me Guilty. Sydney Sidney Lumet. Ooh, you got oh, caught wow. my attention. Vin Diesel. What? Doubled our attention. <laughs> exactly. You, you have no idea what's happening in this movie. So Vin Diesel <laughs> is already serving a, I think, a 30-year prison sentence. He's in prison. And somebody, I think, I, I, I'm hazy on the details, but somebody folds in the mafia organization, and they're basically like, hey, if you sell out the family, we're going to let you off. But instead, he doubles down and says, you know what? I'm not going to sell out my family. I'm not going to sell out the mob. I'm actually going to defend myself and all of them. I'm going to represent myself. And the whole entire movie takes place in the courtroom. It's pretty absurd set of circumstances. I mean, first of all, you've got Vin Diesel playing a lawyer in a courtroom, and uh, I forget the the surrounding cast as well, so I, I put that in the fish tank. But um, it's it's fantastic, and it's it's you don't think you're gonna watch an entire movie of Vin Diesel, you know, telling you how the law works.
5: Right. And but is it,
4: but it's good. But you end up doing it. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. All right. I wouldn't go How that far. How dare you put this as number two? No, How it. dare
3: you put this as number two shit? But it's I'm intrigued. So i docu-
4: And it's also Sydney Lumet. Yeah. Like bonkers. What, and what's the name of this again? Find Me Guilty. Find Me Guilty. All and right. I just, it's one of those, uh, it's, y- you start watching, you're like, this is ridiculous. And then you're like, okay, you're hooked. Yeah, you got me. I mean, I can't argue. I, I have no basis for arguing with what's happening here. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, managed, he, he manages to... Uh, Save the day. I want
0: to make right. it
3: very clear here that his two were sister act and find me guilty and mine were <laughs> b- blind spotting and spotlight. So you know what, nice. buddy. Um,
0: <laughs> thank you we'll for see. making my picks
3: not look as bad.
0: <laughs> I got you. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's a that this is where I had uh, blind spotting. Oh, okay, in go, all awesome honesty. Yeah. Um, it's a
3: great it's a great witness film. Yeah. It is.
0: It's a great witness movie. Um, my number
1: two a punk rock movie. Uh oh. 2015.
0: I'll be the judge of that. Green Room. Ooh. Yeah, was a great punk, great punk rock movie.
1: Have you guys seen Green Room?
3: I, I think I have.
0: I have not. Okay. I'm so pissed I,
3: I didn't think of I think Green I have. Room.
1: So this is, uh, the director is Jeremy right Sa- Saulnier, I believe is how you say it. He directed Blue Ruin, then he came back with Green Room, and this is the idea of a, a a punk band, is going to play at a bar out in the woods. It's it's very isolated, right? Yes,
3: I have seen this. Okay. Yes, Shane is wrong. They go out, they <laughs> play
1: this punk show, and then they get done, and they're getting ready to leave, and one of the members of the band leaves their phone in the green room, hence the name of the movie. They go back to retrieve it, and when they do that, they are witness to a girl bleeding um, stabbed to death, something is wrong, a crime has been committed, and now all the owners and the bouncers of this bar will not let the band leave. And a little horror movie ensues. It's very fun.
0: Yeah, it is. This was um, one of um, Scotty's last movies. The, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, too. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, Yelchin. Yes, Anton oh, Yelchin, yeah. and
3: Antonio he he Picard. died like not mm-hmm. long after, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and um, his death was gruesome. Yeah, it was a
0: shame too, because I mean, so much, so much talent. Yeah, um, he's incredible. And John luc Picard also is one of the uh, the the leaders of the Nazi skinheads. <laughs> yes, that he was so sinister crazy. in there. Yeah, what a great turn from him, because you usually expect him to play a hero, you know, but uh, he he made a great. And villain. this
1: idea of being trapped in a house in the middle of the woods with a bunch of you know skinheads is just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That movie got underneath my skin. Me
0: too. Good Loved one. It. Great movie. My number
1: 2 green room. Here we are. This is Cinema Jaw. our number one pick for witness movies. I j- just to set the scene here. Shane is whispering into Claire's ear. It looks like they may have another audible. Guys, what do you got at number 1? All
4: right, I'm going to jump in. All right. It's I will fight anyone. The number 1 Witness movie of all time. I'm hoping okay. you okay. mention it. All right, all right. Are we ready for this? Rear Window. Rear Window. Yes. Duh. Come Rear on.
0: Window. Are we all in agreement? <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. I That's have a different amazing. one just because I thought I he would too. have. I do too. To. Oh. You got to be prepared. I didn't want to yeah. put it at number okay. one, but I'm glad okay. someone mentioned this. Thank
4: you for letting us take the easy one. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear. I think. It may be a fight to the death between uh, Jimmy Stewart and Tom Hanks for Claire's favorite actor of all time. Oh, uh, yeah,
3: yes. <laughs> Tom Hanks is still going. We got we got Mister
0: Rogers' that. movies coming mm-hmm. from him. I
3: mean, he is my favorite person ever. I mean,
0: <laughs> He's yeah. up So there. he wins.
3: Um, but I don't know if if Jimmy Stewart was alive, it'd be different. <laughs> I love Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, I mean, also just as a, a, a personal note, I uh, I broke my leg when I was in high school. I was telling the story earlier today. Uh, and I, I spent a couple of months in a wheelchair. Yeah.
0: Um, and Did you rear window it? Were you like sitting there with binoculars?
4: I was in high school, so I did not have the opportunity. But I did later live in an apartment that would have been perfect, perfect for this. And I've always like, you know, you can't, you obviously can't force it because then you're really right. creepy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when, when you're in Chicago, I think especially, right. um, you uh, also, um, to tie into Runner, uh, one of the last lines you hear me say uh, as we transition out of the scene... Sure,
3: make it all about you. Well,
4: it's, <laughs> it's your writing, <laughs> Uh We talk about Love and Radio's episode uh, yeah, yeah, called yeah, yeah, yeah. The Living Room, yeah. which I don't know if anyone's familiar with. No. Oh, um,
3: my gosh. You guys you will guys lose your minds. Put it in the
4: show notes, please. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic... It, it is basically the 21st century window. window. It is it's, like, yes. so wait is this a, a podcast
3: the podcast it, okay, it's
4: it, it's no. I think it was radio lab,
3: yeah, it's a radio lab talking yeah. about this go, sorry, so it's <laughs> it's
4: it's just it's an observation. I think it's Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, one high rise to the to the neighboring high rise, and it's just over a period of time they start to and this person has no window treatments at all. And the person who wrote the story, who you know, recounted the story, I should say. Just sees everything that happens in this apartment. Wow!
3: And we can't say any more than that because you have to listen. Yeah. It is it is absolutely soul. heartbreaking yeah. and soul crushing and fantastic and and you will become obsessed with this story. And it is, it is one called? of the most fantastic haunting things I've ever ever heard in my well, life. One
0: more time with the title: The Living Room. The Living Room. The Living
4: okay. Room. I, I believe it was a Radiolab episode. It was. Done. Uh, done. It's Fun. fantastic. I'm in.
3: But but I mean the the thing that makes rear window so compelling is that you are fully bought into the protagonist's perspective because he cannot move Mm -hmm. so you are fully bought into just what he can see is what you can see for so much of it and then obviously you're seeing his reactions but like for the most part that's the brilliance of that that tension and like and that perspective is that you are seeing what a not mobile person is able to see and and that's one of the brilliant things about a thriller right is that you should be able to be Showing the perspective and then the reaction, and that's kind of how your audience is getting their information, and that's how you kind of uh, develop like an unreliable narrator or a a doubt in the person who committed the crime. Like you are able to limit the perspective.
0: It's also uh, Alfred Hitchcock.
3: Duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> less, less we forget, I
0: mean, it's a master. Plus, I mean, Jimmy Stewart. We're sort of far removed from his career now, but he is. A master.
3: Oh, he's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. He's, no,
0: he's up there for sure.
3: <laughs> I Matt, adore him.
0: Can you follow up rear window
1: and don't say, I know what you did last summer, too.
0: <laughs> I know what you did last summer, three. No. Um, Bill Paxton directed a movie. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, a movie called Frailty. No, yes. I'm not. I'm with not. the shed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bill Paxton wrote, directed, and stars in this movie. And it stars uh, him and Matthew McConaughey as one of his sons. And um,
3: All right, all right, all right.
0: He is a serial killer. This whole thing is being recounted by one of the sons. He's, he's a killer, and his l- kids are sort of witnessing his crimes. But he keeps telling them, "I've been given this directive from God to, to commit these crimes. And I'm actually doing the Lord's work and cleansing the the demons. These are actually evil demons that I'm taking out. And one of the sons starts to believe him, and the other one doesn't. And he's recounting this whole tale to the police. He's confessing years after the, the case. And there's a lot of twists. I don't want to spoil anything because it's a bit of a usual suspects at the end. Hmm. But what a great unexpected and i think kind of a hidden gem like not enough people have seen frailty uh, yeah so there that's I have seen it
1: I, I i didn't even know i saw it but as you were describing it it's one of those i'm like right i've seen this movie it's bill paxton came mm-hmm. over man all right no one spoiled my number one and i went with a documentary believe Ooh. Or not, for number one of course. and um not to be confused with the Harrison Ford movie just called Witness. The documentary is a 2015 film called The Witness. Uh-huh. And it is about a very famous case of Kitty Genovese, oh. who in 1964 was attacked outside of her New York apartment oh, yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah, of yeah. the night. Yeah. And uh, 38 people reportedly uh, either yeah. saw her or heard her screaming and ignored it. Nobody mm-hmm. did anything. Mm-hmm. And this ended up uh, leading to this entire thing called bystander apathy uh, by the New York Times, did this huge report. Why don't people uh, run out and try to help her? What was causing people to just hear someone screaming um, that they need help and you to just close your window? Um, And in this film, the documentary is actually Kitty's brother going back in time, still finding some of these witnesses. And he really actually in a lot of ways, debunks what the New York Times uh, article was actually saying, that it wasn't necessarily 38 people that all just decided to just turn the other cheek. Um, That was the way it was written up, and everybody believed this for years, but his findings are are quite different, and it dives back into this whole thing of what transpired, how it went down, why she wasn't helped. Um, Mm. Fascinating documentary. I can't wait to
3: watch because we we studied that in psychology class. Like, we studied, like... The bystander effect, essentially. That was like the thing that was pointed to to say, like, you know, the, the, this is a psychological thing that happens. So, like, I'm fascinated to yeah. know why. It is,
1: it is on Netflix.
0: Uh, throw it in the fish tank. Make sure it's still streaming
1: That's so I'm great. not giving false info. Yeah. But it's uh, called The Witness, and highly recommend this. Oh, is for Job. That's four-job like,
0: material. The Stanford Prison Experiment, yeah. yes. the Milgram yes. Experiment. Oh, my God. Right, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in and, terms and of,
1: like, what's responding great in the documentaries, you get mm-hmm. sort of both. You get this, like, mystery where you're diving in, but you're also getting these facts of this bystander.
0: It's like a psychological lesson. Of What's going on? Yeah, it's
1: weird. I mean, there's
3: so many great. True crime, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. There's so many great true crime docs. Like, we love what's it called?
0: Uh, how to make
1: a no,
3: no, no, making a murderer. No, not that that. that. one, the the
1: one
4: on HBO. Well,
3: that one, but no, 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 the one with the guy in the bathroom, the night of no,
4: the guy in the bathroom. Just Robert what? Durst. Uh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, what is it? The
3: uh, oh, Robert Durst. Shit. Oh
0: yes, the Jinx. The Jinx. Yeah. Uh, the Jinx. Yes, in the like, wow. the,
3: that kind of stuff is just fantastic. We it should. Is, we should uh, do
0: true crime. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have there we you done go. it right? I don't think That's so. That's the
3: thing. Like, m- th- my film was definitely inspired by true crime a ton. You know, like it's just like it's like a step away from it. But yeah. Well, I
4: think true crime is is one end of the spectrum, which is fascinating study of human psychology. But I I think back to this witness thing, I think the the thread through all these films is the complicated human condition. Right. So you've you've seen something that you know is wrong, but there are also exigent circumstances of your life and and your family and the people who are important to you. Mm -hmm. And doing the right thing isn't cut and dry. Mm. In any of these scenarios, even in I know what you even last <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's you know, you have to do quote unquote do the right thing, but you also have to take into consideration the the, the ramifications. ramifications. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of all of the possible right. outcomes and the and there's right no thing,
3: way to know. The right yeah. thing doesn't always end up being the right thing because of the way our court system works. You no know? doubt. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great way to sum it up. Uh, honorable mentions, really quick, Matt. No, Any?
0: my my only one was Sister Act, and
3: we okay. talked go. about it. Um,
1: Disturbio, which was sort of a fun take. Oh, on uh, the rear good window. one! Yeah, right. Yeah. The girl on the train, Emily Blunt, uh, oh, yeah. so is coming home from work. People compared that to
3: Runner. People Our were remake. like, were right. comparing that to Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then Pineapple Express, which I believe they see their drug dealers uh, get knocked off or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Sort of remember the plot that way. Yeah, yeah,
4: I almost also included <laughs> that one. Um, also, the one that I changed away from, um, well, I guess there's a couple, but uh, Donnie Brasco, mm. uh, nice. a good yeah. example. Um, but, you know, it's kind of Johnny Depp doing Johnny Depp. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's fun, you know. It was, it's it's it a good, Johnny, talking, Depp started, good yeah, Johnny Depp doing good Johnny Depp. Exactly, back, <laughs> in the, back in the day. Yeah, you, you turn the witness thing on its head of like, oh, what if you could just live it up as a, as a <laughs> sure, mobster? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, all the light. All, all
1: right. right. If we missed your favorite Witness movie and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw or you can email us feedback at CinemaJaw.com. What we're going to do is take a quick break. When we come back, Shane and Claire are taking Matt on in movie trivia concerning yes. Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Oh, we're wow. going to Plus a cinema war looking at uh, directors. Stick with us.
5: Let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby.
2: In honor of Cinema Jaws Tilda let's Swinton month, we the remember the time she met Edmund in the Chronicles of Narnia, The, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. To and you are exactly the sort of boy who I could see one day becoming Prince of Narnia, maybe even King.
5: Really? Of course you'd have to bring a family. Do you mean Peter would be king too? No, no, no. But a king needs servants. I, I guess I could bring. Beyond these woods, you see those two hills? My house is right between them.
2: You'd love it there, Edmund. It has
5: whole. Simply stuffed with Turkish tonight. Couldn't
2: I have this some more now? No!
5: I don't want to run here up tonight. Besides, the things to eat.
2: The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just
5: dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all
0: go to the. Hey, lobby. Jawheads, it's Matt Kay with a quick Again, reminder of, a of June's Riddle it is this this riddle is not a dream nor is it impossible to solve you know that i have acted on stage with michael keaton you know that when i was young i was married to ben stiller hell you even know the weight of my soul i've had jungle time with jack black and now that you heard this riddle you have seven days to answer it who am i write us at feedback at cinemajaw.com with your guess and one lucky winner will get a, a prize team. pack or the chance to take That's me on in trivia. To Good luck.
5: To get ourselves
1: a and we are back on Cinema Jaw hanging out with Claire Cooney and Shane Simmons. Their short film Runner is available out on YouTube. Highly recommend checking this one out. Uh, looking at uh, your little stat sheet here, Claire, you had a small role mm-hmm. in the Chicago shot. Widows this is the Steve McQueen movie uh, what was that like being in such a, a large production? Was it like a one-day shoot, or that you were on set for?
3: It was. It was. In short, it was amazing. Um, I did. It was supposed to be one-day shoot, but then they did pickups like almost a year later. So it was two days total. Um, but it was fantastic. I was working with Steve McQueen and Viola Davis and El- Elizabeth Debicki, and it was so surreal to be like, like I was chilling with them in the makeup room. Like I was next to Viola. And Elizabeth, talking to them what about was... where to eat that night. You know? which, which role? Who? Was Did m- you play? Yes. Me? Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, you guys. Get ready. <laughs> so I'm in the very final moment, and you will only know uh, I'm in it for my voice, because my face was pretty much entirely cut out of the film. <laughs> It was. This happens. Okay, it was heartbreaking. But what's hilarious is okay. So Steve McQueen apparently uh, a lot of people were cut out. His original cut was three hours, and the film was cut down to like two fifteen, right? So he it's apparently sent an email to everyone who was cut out of the film to say I'm so sorry and like it's not you, like it's the film, it's the plot, blah blah. blah. I didn't get that email. Mm. And in fact, on the second day of filming, which in which I was supposed to be doing even more work, Steve came up to me and was like. like he like he hugged me and was like you're in the final cut he told me my face he was like you're in the final cut don't worry And like you're in it so in his mind I was in it right and so I'm thinking great and I am, to his credit, I am. You hear me? You kind of see me. <laughs> but it's one of those things where now, for the rest of my life, Is I'm, In the diner scene. It's the diner scene. Okay, cool. ah. Yeah. So for the, I mean, and if you really slow it down, you can see a flash in my face. But like, who's doing that, right? You. But yeah. for, for <laughs> But for the rest of my life, I'm going. I am going to realize we, we don't realize it. Countless films and TV productions um, use that shot it's a really interesting shot where you're you're seeing the back of one person's he- head and you're seeing the lead mm-hmm. and you're hearing the person talking but you're not seeing their face. Mm-hmm. It's used constantly. sure. And I'm now, whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, that poor actor, right? Because like, <laughs> we, 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 we were all hoping for it to be like used in our reel or mm-hmm. whatever the yeah. heck, you know. Let's show the reverse, and damn it. I think it's just, it's a very artsy shot. It was all very artistically done. Like, there's literally a pillar between like covering my face between Violet Davis <laughs> and <Elizabeth laughs> Vicki. But so, okay. So, my vanity aside, it was a fantastic experience. Like, it was such a thrill to work with these people and to feel like I was like their equal and for them to treat me with such respect and be so kind to me and so welcoming to me. It was a thrill. And to have Steve McQueen come up to me and like whisper to me and hug me and give me notes, it was just fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again,
4: yeah, go well, ahead. Just as a, as a, credits wise uh, as a I'm thinking as a producer here you actually get more credit for your voice and and your like yeah. you know back of your head being used than, than you do face. if your entire face is shown but you don't yeah. say words
3: so i was shown as an extra in the film divergent a long time ago and my full face is very clearly shown i get no like Ro- Above the royalties line. for that, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get royalties for having just my voice in the back of my head shown for Widow. Well, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So there we you go. We loved the movie too. We were huge it's fans. It's so here good. On, on I Jaws, think it was so. great. I wish it got a better like box office reception, mm-hmm. but it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah
1: agree. Uh, again, for the Jawheads that want to check out more about you guys, follow your careers along. Where should they go to online?
3: Claire Dash Cooney dot com or my Instagram at cm
4: pretty similar here shane-simmons.com or my instagram at shane simmons
1: do it jawheads matt before we get to cinema war and before we get to trivia we threw a few items into the fish tank and i know phil wants to swim up to the top let's open up that fish tank
2: Who's coming with me besides Flipper
5: here? That's the second message. That means Lucobrasi sleeps with the fishes. We're going to need a bigger boat.
2: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for letting me out. We got a very, very packed tank this week, so I'm going to <laughs> just get right in. Uh, so our first question, how many times has Tilda Swinton played a man? Uh, the only time that I could find was for her role in Suspiria. However... Uh, if things went her way, she would, She has gone on record on interviews saying that she would have actually never had anybody know that this was her. She would have just let it be the prosthetic old guy, and she had created a fake name for him. So my thought is that there potentially could be hundreds of Ooh. these that just haven't been leaked <laughs> yet. And, and Good I point. Li- I like to think that. I like that the theory. So, I like yeah. that, yeah. <clears throat> uh, who is the guitarist for Blue Oyster Cult? His name is Buck Dharma. That's a great name. How could you forget that? Buck Dharma. (laughs) It it is unfortunately not his real name. So technically his name is Donald Roser. I
0: thought
1: you were going to say. Buck Dharma. I thought you were going to say his real name was Tilda Swinton.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Man, that would be a good twist. Um, You probably
4: talked to Donald Roser.
2: Who is the bad guy in Judgment Night? Were you thinking of Dennis Leary?
0: Yes, I was thinking yes. of Dennis Leary. He Leary. is oh, in there. Himself. You're right. Nailed it. You're right.
2: Cigars was right on the nose, man. I mean,
0: so 90s.
2: Um, who else were some of the, the cast in Find Me Guilty? Peter Dinklage was in there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Linus Roche from Law & Order. Ron Silver. Annabelle Secoria from uh, The Sopranos. A lot of people in that movie. Awesome. Uh, and then our last one is The Witness still streaming. Uh, unfortunately, it no longer <sighs> appears to be on Netflix, but oh. it is still on Amazon Prime. So <laughs> it, it, provided you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you're still in the clear. You can We're watch gonna it to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That was everything, Phil? That's all we got. Jump back in that fish tank. Will right. do. Yeah. Matt, it brings us to a segment called Cinema War. The War, it works like this. Me and Matt were fighting on a topic. Our guests, Claire and Shane, are playing judge, jury, and witness. Yes. As they tell the Jawheads at home who won this Cinema War. Phil, we were talking uh, directors here. Tell the Jawheads at home what today's Cinema War topic is.
2: Which director shows more promise after their recent string of success? Matt Reeves from Planet of the Apes films or the Russo Brothers, the Marvel Avengers movies. Ryan, you've got Reeves, and Matt, you have got the Russo Brothers. Silent on set, roll sound, Cinema War take one, action.
1: Matt Reeves directed the last two Planet of the Apes movies, a series The Hollywood Reporter Matt, not just some publication, The Hollywood Reporter called one of the best trilogies of all time. These were not remakes or based off of comics. These stories were new. He knows how to use great special effects, but better yet, he knows how to tell a
0: great story. He is the hottest thing going right now. Ryan, I had to look up who the hell Matt Reeves was (laughs) before the cinema war, and I do a movies podcast. I asked Phil, and he didn't know who he was either. Nobody needs to look up the Russo brothers. They are bonafide hit makers. <laughs> Ridiculous. Matt,
1: what Disney has done with the Marvel movies is make an assembly line of blockbuster entertainment. Those films have so many fan service moments to ensure everyone loves them. The Russo brothers did nothing out of the ordinary either. It was names like... Tika Watiti with the Thor movie that gave us something fresh. The Russo brothers, they play it too safe.
0: Mm, Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. Planet of the Apes, Cloverfield. Okay, decent stuff. But the Russos have done four tentpole Marvel films, the best ones, including Endgame, which at $2.8 billion is the second highest grossing film of all time.
1: Besides the Planet of the Apes films, Matt Reeves cut his teeth with Cloverfield, a found-footage, small-budget film that felt like a summer blockbuster. He also did the remake Let Me In, plus the Apes movies. What I'm trying to say is the guy has range. He knows how to build suspense, and he sure knows how to supply
0: big screen action. The only way you can argue for more promise is to come at it from behind. The Russos don't need more promise, they write f***ing checks. Reeves is still an unknown commodity, that's why he's working for a second banana like DC. Let's cut to
1: the chase here Matt, if the Avengers movie Endgame was two and a half hours of a blank screen and one minute of Iron Man sitting on Thanos, Marvel fanboys would still wet their pants and call it a masterpiece. They had a a surefire hit on their hands. Meanwhile, when Reeves took over Planet of the Apes, most people, myself included, Rye the movie guy, said it was a terrible idea.
0: Five years later, I'm eating crow, and super excited to see what that guy does next. The Russos are at the point in their career where they just put their name on a film like the upcoming 21 Bridges just to sell more tickets. And guess what? It's gonna work. That's a promise. Reeves is hoping to reboot Batman for the fourth or fifth time. I'm hoping it's cool, but even if it is, does anyone even care anymore? Whew.
1: We are buttonheads here on Cinema War. We throw it to our guests, our jury, our witnesses. Claire, Shane, what did you think of this Cinema War? <clears throat>
4: Go ahead.
3: I think we got to go with Matt here.
4: It's okay. I you can't. <laughs> I like where you're thinking. First of all, yeah, you can't just cut to the chase like that. There's yes, so much yes, at I play do. here. There's so much at play. Okay.
5: <laughs>
4: Cloverfield is a masterpiece. I hands down. There's there's no there's nothing bad I can say about Cloverfield. Planet of the Apes, strong, strong. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Um, I'm not even going to go there. That said, I do have to hand it to the Russo brotherss
3: the Russo brothers Come on. time
4: on 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 establishment on, on what we have to work with right so everything you know uh the last couple of avengers are, are, are you know so you. strong uh just such so much fun, such a spectacle, so much like not only that but the nuance that I think is involved in these huge temple movies like. To be able to do all that at the same time, I think, is is incredibly impressive. Pretty killer. Uh, yeah. And keep it keep it real but also light and fun and and super just impressive. I, I can't even fathom Everything that goes into yeah. those movies, and, right. and and that's just the main thing—is like the magnitude, right? You know, of those films. Um, also, Joe went to the University of Iowa, and uh, oh. I got you know, right. we, right. we got bias. We got to keep it here. in the family. I so, love nepotism. Here here you got to have it. Well, sorry, um, Ryan. Sorry, that Ryan. That said, Batman, I cannot wait. Nice. I'm stoked for there Batman. We
1: go. Yeah. I'm, it's just disappointing because I was really having fun with Shane and Claire, you know, and, and, <laughs> and now you know, and
3: yeah. now we can't be friends. And now yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now <laughs> this
1: Matt that earns you twenty seconds of jaw time.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug Phil's Twitch channel because I'm thinking maybe I might start streaming myself. I He's might... inspired you? Yes, he has. Phil's doing an art channel where he does uh, art live. What's the channel, Phil? Plug it real quick. P Chan Art. P C H A N A R T. All one word. On on Twitch. And uh, I, you know what? I think I might just start playing Fortnite or something on Twitch.
3: Hmm.
0: I mean, I suck at Fortnite, but we'll see what happens. There you go. All right. Great 20 seconds man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brings
1: us to What were trivues. you going to do?
0: I mean, I'm just we'll curious. We'll save it for next week when I beat All you. Right. Oh. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. That means he didn't write anything.
1: <laughs> we like to end with uh, a fun trivia segment. Uh, as mentioned, Bill Murray, Adam Driver are in the Dead Won't Die, so we're playing Bill Murray, Adam Driver movie trivia. Nice. Claire, Shane, you're our guests. You get to choose if you want to go first or let Mac go first. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any one question, you get one trip into the fish tank for Phil, me, and Phil. And they do start off easy, they we're, get harder gradually. Oh,
4: fantastic.
1: We're, we're going to defer. All right. Question one over to Matt K. Matt, yeah. Adam Driver starred in last year's Black Klansman. Kylo who, Ren. Who directed the film?
0: Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Spike Lee. Darn it. One to
1: nothing. We should have gotten Kay. that one, Shane. Softball. Come on. Question two over to Shane and Claire. Adam Driver appears in a hilarious scene from the movie Inside Lewin Davis. Who directed that film?
3: <laughs> I See, don't, I likes to think I that's know.
1: easy. Yeah, that's that's a
4: uh wait I I'm like gonna,
3: that movie, but I don't know.
4: I I'm gonna sound
0: like an idiot. Say it.
3: No. Just do it. Just do it. I believe in you. You
0: might as well take a stab.
1: Uh I believe
3: in you. Oh god.
1: Colin Brothers. <gasps> Wow! Look at the relief on these guys' face.
0: <laughs> one to one. I to would one. I have gotten it.
1: One to one. Question three over to Matt K. Matt, in what about Bob? Bill Murray wow. plays Bob. Uh-huh. What actor plays Doctor Leo Marvin? Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> I
0: love me you some what about
1: Bob. Up. Not Shane messed How up How did I
0: mess up by not getting the question? <laughs> no, yes. by deferring. If I, I deferring, think deferring. she said. Oh, I see. Okay. By you, you're a big what about Bob fan. a big what about Bob fan. Big time. Big time. Baby steps.
1: There's two people in this world, those who love Neil Diamond.
0: <laughs> Don't get me started. Love that movie. About Tourette's, the Tourette's syndrome. Yes. Scene. All right.
1: Hey, it's two to one, Matt K. <clears throat> question four over to Claire and Shane. Adam Driver played Channing Tatum's brother in this Steven Soderbergh film that also starred Daniel Craig. Name the movie. What is going on here? Mickey's you
3: stripping, yeah. There you go. <laughs>
1: Oh no! Ooh. Incorrect. Adam Driver plays Channing no Tatum's brother in the Steven Soderbergh film that also starred Daniel Craig. Can I steal?
4: <laughs> Can I steal? Can I, I double steal?
0: Hold I know. On. I know. I know. Lucky is in the title. It's like
3: Shane. The come lucky. On. Mm. We saw this film together, Shane. Come on.
4: That's my bad.
3: Yeah, come on, dude.
1: He was so excited to start taking well, it off his shirt. We'll I didn't know steal what was back. going on. I know. He was just yeah.
0: excited. Well, we're
3: happy to steal it back. I think we the, know it the now. The
0: lucky. Oh my God, I can't think of it. The lucky people. Can we
3: sell it oh, no. steal it back? Incorrect. Oh, you can't steal it back, but no. what was
1: the right answer? Logan Lucky. There Logan
4: we go. Lucky. Oh, yeah. oh we got it. Shane, come on. You me it. off with Channing Tatum. Uh, you, just, you think of his face, and uh, you then you start to get ideas, and.
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) All right. Hey, it's still two to one, Matt K. Question five is over to him. Matt, name the 2014 movie that starred Bill Murray, Melissa McCarthy, Naomi Watts, in which Bill Murray plays a grumpy, retired vet who drinks and smokes all day.
0: It's like every Bill Murray movie. Um, Ghostbusters. (laughs) Ghostbusters. The new Ghostbusters, though.
1: Incorrect. Oh. You guys got a chance for a steal and to tie chance
4: it back up. Shane's got this. I'm going to go with uh, St. Vincent.
1: Yes. Nice.
3: I Ties loved, it up. I knew that one. <laughs> I'm surprised so myself.
1: Nice. <laughs> two to two. Question six is over to you guys. Adam Driver played an NSA agent tracking down a kid on the run in a film that also starred Michael Shannon Joel Edgerton and Kirsten Dunst name that 2016 film. Mm.
3: I'm trying to think of films from Michael Shannon. Wasn't there one called The Lovers? Um, no. I know I know that he wasn't in that. I'm trying to think of more films with Oh, is it like Animals something?
5: Mm.
3: Yes, I think that's what think, it is. Something mm. about animals. Mm. It's like Should a, we go to film I mean you get a, a film me a, and Phil if you want
1: to use it. Fill? Question: should,
4: we, uh, should, should you do you it? Wanna, or do you want to take this?
3: No, because I can't think of the film name. Okay. It, is, is it a horror film? What was I that said? Okay. No, I can't yeah. say.
4: I cannot say. I know the film about, you're thinking of, and I don't think it's that one. Is it not
3: that oh, one? thank you.
4: Uh, let's, I don't think so. Should we do it? Should we Should we reach out?
3: Go for it, but <laughs> I might not know it regardless.
4: <laughs> well, we'll, I think this is the one. This feels like Why? the one. Go for it.
1: Into the All fish right. tank they go. Phil, what was Phil. the name of that Adam Driver, Michael Shannon
2: movie? All righty. Shane, Claire, your guys' clue this week. This clue is special. Ooh. Very special.
4: Are you going to give us the clue? That's it. <laughs> that, that, <laughs>
2: Wait, okay. So Special
3: seemed emphasized there. Isn't Adam Driver like a bus driver and something, too? That's,
2: that's Patterson. That's oh, not it. Damn it. I will, you guys are two hours early on this clue. <laughs> oh, God.
3: We're two hours early. Ooh! Oh. wow.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, God.
4: I think we're good. Thank you. Midnight special. Wow. They, uh, Pulled, uh, it wow. Out. Pulled it out. It's huge. Can we can out we get that, a thank you, Phil. Phil, that was huge. What was the <laughs> movie you. Claire was
0: thinking of? Because it's the one with... Um, Animal we the animals? No, it's no. with um, um, Amy Adams, right? Oh,
1: Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal, nocturnal animals. Animals. Love that yeah, movie. Love that, movie, movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was
3: confusing Kirsten Downs with right. Amy Adams. I'm so sorry, Amy. Back on
1: track <laughs> here. Three to two now. Um, and this question is over to Matt K. Claire and uh, Shane are in the lead. Matt, question seven to you. Bill Murray has voiced Garfield, Mm. the Mm -hmm. cat, Mm -hmm. twice. Yeah. He also voiced a bear in this 2016 movie, Name It.
0: Well, it wasn't Paddington. (laughs) And I don't think he ever did Winnie the Pooh. That would not be Bill Murray. He did a bear. (sighs) The Fantastic Mr. Fox?
1: I don't know. Incorrect. He's got a chance for a steal and really to win it right here. It's three to two. They're whispering. Came out in 2016.
0: That's a pretty good guess on my part. Are,
4: are we asking the, the name of the bear or the name of the movie? The name, the name movie? of the movie. Or the name
1: of the movie.
0: Which Is may the be same? one and the same. Can you no, tell us?
1: No, they're not. I'll give you that. <laughs> Need an answer here. Too All much right. whispering yeah, going on Yeah, there's a lot of whispering.
4: There. Sorry, there's... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Yogi Bear movie. No.
1: Incorrect. Is Threw it a The, is it in the in Isle
3: of Dogs?
1: The Jungle Book. Oh. The Ooh. remake he of was the blue. Jungle Book. Darn yes. It. Darn it. Threw in a curveball. That, oh. that was a
0: good question,
1: right? Thank you. All right, it is. Three to two, last question of the game. Question eight, over to you guys. You can win it on a walk-off or give a chance for Matt to tie it up. Question eight to you guys. Bill Murray starred in the 2010 movie Get Low, in which he owns a funeral parlor. What actor also starred in the film as Felix Bush, an old-timer, trying to actually throw himself a funeral par- uh, party? Bill get- Murray and who in Get Low?
3: I've never seen this film. Shane, have you seen this film?
1: I've never heard of this film. Oh no! <laughs> if
3: it makes right. you guys feel any so better? It's an old I've
1: timer, never heard of it. Right. Time it's
3: for a wild guess. All right, let's think. Yeah. Okay, an old 2010. timer. Two thousand and ten.
1: Old time actor trying to throw himself a funeral a funeral party. Hmm. Bill Murray and who? Do you
3: have a good guess, Shane?
1: Morgan Freeman. <gasps>
3: Yeah, that was a no. That was Incorrect. a good guess. A I'm going to jump one. in the
0: fish tank. <laughs>
1: Saved his lifeline yeah. till the very end. was a smart
0: move. I it wasn't intentional.
1: Into the fish tank we go. Phil, who starred in Get Low with Bill Murray?
2: All righty, Matt. Your clue this week, he loves the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh,
1: come on.
0: Um, but it wasn't the person who actually said that line, I'm guessing. It was... Um, Martin Martin Sheen.
3: Shane knows it. Can
0: we steal? Yeah, go ahead. Robert Duvall.
3: It's
1: Robert Duvall. Yes! Robert Duvall says that line in the movie. Does he? He does. Wow. Shane, Claire win this one. (laughs) Three to two. Can we get a handshake here, guys? Well played. (laughs) If it came down to a jawbreaker, we call it, in case it was a tie, this question would have been over to Shane only. Shane, you can only try one for about 30 seconds. You can either try Bill Murray's Proton Pack in Ghostbusters or Adam Driver's Red red Lightsaber in The Force Awakens. Which do you try?
4: That is so incredibly tough. Uh, I gotta go Proton Pack.
1: (laughs) Oh, what are you incorrect. talking about? It's the lightsaber. I a oh, 100%, 100%, 100% saber. 100%
3: saber. There's more 100%. reach on the proton. <laughs> Shane, That's what are you thinking? What are you about? thinking, Shane? It's the Proton the, pack.
1: The real jawbreaker was this, and it's great because Claire was talking about uh, how tall she is. Height of Bill Murray closest to. We got a guess from you guys.
0: I, I don't think he's exceptional. Wait, i Oh no, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, so
1: name his height. Yeah, we're looking for. I'm gonna for, say 6'2". two. Locked him in at 6'2". Matt, you got a guess? I don't. I don't think he's tall. No. I'd say five eleven. She knows her height. He's six foot two. <gasps> really? Oh, my
5: goodness. Wow. Nailed Wow. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Six yes. two for Bill Murray. I guess all the Ghostbusters are pretty tall. Unbelievable, then. huh? Yeah. Except for Rick Moranis. Well, he wasn't a Ghostbuster. <laughs> well, you know yeah. what I mean, though. I guess he was an honorary member. Yeah. yeah. He does put on a proton pack at one point. There you go. In one of the sequels.
1: All right. it brings us to the end of a great job. This was a lot of fun. Claire, Shane, thanks for coming on, and nice meeting you guys.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks
1: so much for having us. This was so much fun. Yes. <laughs> and And, uh, you know, next project, got to come back on.
3: Absolutely. And congrats Don't on all you. the
0: success of Runner. Hope thank it keeps going. You.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it. For sure.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Also got to thank our engineer, the guy over there behind the glass, Phil Me and Phil. Yeah.
2: Woo-hoo. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Always favorite night of the week. Matt, uh, so graciously, in his 20 seconds, gave me a little bit of a plug also. Uh, Just to remind you guys, I do stream art and animation on Twitch. Uh, If you can't stay, because I usually stream for about four hours, I do have highlights, some of them funny, some of them heartfelt, most of them embarrassing. Uh, I do have a link that I sent Matt to put in the show notes about uh, my most embarrassing thing I've ever shared, which is my... Uh, cringy Dragon Ball Z MS Paint fan art that I made as a kid. We'll, Is this leave, it more, there. we'll more, leave it there. More will leave it there. More
0: cringy, <laughs> more cringy than, than you in the underwear commercial? <laughs> I love yes. that O-M-G. underwear commercial. I,
2: I own the underwear. I am not <laughs> embarrassed by that. This I actually am embarrassed by. Good it's, it's, it's,
0: it's full-on supermodel Phil in underwear.
1: Definitely check out P-Chan Art. Uh, Matt, we also got to thank our
0: sponsors. Yes, thanks to Loganitas and the Chicago Podcast Co-op who help us get Cool sponsors like Lacanitas.
1: Absolutely. If you want to support Cinema Jaw, the easiest way to do so is leave us a review wherever you
0: are getting this podcast. Yes, leave us a review. And while you're there, click subscribe. It's one extra button and it makes a whole world of difference. No doubt. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on jawing about, about the, the movies. movies.